welcome back, everybody, uh, for another Motorsport Magazine podcast. And thank you, as ever, so much for joining us. Uh, it's great to have you with us. I know many of you uh, are readers of Motorsport Magazine, and many of you are just listeners to our podcast. But whatever, it's great to have you with us. And uh, today we are at the Goodwood Revival meeting. We're doing two of our podcasts at the Revival this year. And uh, this one, we have two real racers with us. Real racers from Tin Tops. Can we call them Tin Tops? I think we can. Well, they're touring cars. Okay. Steve Soper and Andrew Jordan, both of whom are racing Lotus Cortinas at this year's Goodwood Revival. And on our panel, we have a new person today. Normally, Alan Hyde is recording our podcasts very quietly in the background, never says a word. But because Alan is the pit lane reporter for the British Touring Car Championship, he joins us today. He's on my right here. Honoured to be with you. Yes, I should think so Honoured. too. <laughs> and it's very lucky that he is here because he knows all about touring car racing, which is more than I do. Good. Okay. And we obviously have Ed Foster with us, who's our website editor. Good. Okay. Welcome, Steve. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us at this wonderful race meeting. Um, you're both in Lotus Cortinas, and both cars have been built up specially for the Goodwood Revival. Now, Andrew, I've, I know a bit about yours because it features in a program that's going to be on ITV4 in about a fortnight's time as part of three or four Goodwood programs that are going out um, under different subjects. It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, how much, how many hours have you spent on getting this car ready for Goodwood? Um, that's a good question. I, I've probably lost count, to be honest. It's, um, we started the car probably, probably a couple of months ago. Um, it was helped out that we've actually built uh, a Lotus Cortini previous to this one. So that one took a little bit longer because with this we knew everything, where everything needed to go. We knew all the suppliers that we needed to go to. So um, it was... I actually think, though, realistically, with two guys full-time on the car, if you had everything there, you, you'd build one in a couple of weeks, even to the sort of standards we've, we've built it to. So um, ours probably took about six weeks because we were a little bit on and off um, with the build. But as you say, it looks fantastic. We're very proud of it. Um, just need to make it quick now. That's the harder bit. The easy bit's making it look lovely and pretty. I've seen a cracking video of you driving it around Goodwood in the, in the semi-wet. <laughs> Yeah, and it was that was my first experience of driving one in the wet. And I, I, I've driven our little A40 in the wet, and that's pretty slippy. You know, the tyres haven't got the, heat, the the most amount of grip in the dry. But I did a few laps around here, around Goodwood, and came in and, and said to to my dad, who had driven one in the wet, I said that can't be right. And he was like, "What do you mean?" And he, I said, "There is no way that can be right." And so I said, well, I had, I had um, an onboard camera, so I got that out and showed him. And he's like, no, that's just how they are. And I was like, wow. Because <laughs> it was just, I was having huge slide and huge moments going at such slow speed. <laughs> it was great fun. It just felt like it was way over the top. But it was, um, it was really good fun to drive and, and looking forward to having its first race here at the Revival. Now, Mr. Soper, you're supposed to be a retired racing driver. I am tired, definitely. And I'm old. I'm making excuses already because mine's slow. <laughs> yes, but you are very quick. This is the amazing thing. You may you may be uh, retired, but um, and old. Well, that's that's your call. He wasn't going to say that. But <laughs> um, um, we're going to have to spend the next fifty minutes together. So, we're, but um, no, listen. To, um, I mean, you've been there. You've done it all, man. I mean, you know, you've, you've won everything. Um, why do you want to come back and do the revival in a Lotus Cortina? Um, I I still enjoy racing. 
I think the Goodwood Revival is one of the best uh, races, events, meetings there is in the world. Um, I've sort of been to a lot of other places. If I haven't actually driven, I've been to Pebble Beach and seen what goes on over there. This, what Lord March does for this event is absolutely fantastic. And although it is taken very, very serious, it is, they are old cars, they are, they, there's, a, there's a bit of banter, there's a lot of good drivers turn up and you get sucked in to it. Um, so I do five or six races a year and this is my favourite and if I wasn't invited to, to do the revival I'd be, I'd be very disappointed. Well, you're here and you're racing and this is great. And b both of you think you're going to win. Well, actually, no, both of you <coughs> hope you're going to win. I hope, but I don't think I am because <laughs> I know all the times that the others have done. So unless we've found something in the garage in the last week, which I know we haven't, we're, I, you know, we, we're not going to be at the back. But uh, I think Andy and uh, the Matt Neal and Shedden and there's a few big American cars. I think they're going to be... Um, up there but if we can get in the top six or seven I'm probably satisfied with that I wouldn't have been satisfied at the beginning of the year thinking I was going to be in the top six or seven but I probably will be now isn't it isn't it true though guys I mean the driver makes the difference doesn't he Andrew well so the engineers say but the drivers and say the engineers make the difference so it's um, I think as, as Steve said there's so many good people doing this in good cars I think Matt Neal and Gordon Shedden are probably going to be the ones to beat. There's, there's you know, Tom Christensen in a big V8, he's going to be very quick. But on the pairings, I, I think we were here testing um, our car and Matt and Gordon were here and they were a bit quicker than us, more than we, we'd hoped for. So um, it's, it's funny, when we came here last year with our little A40, we, we were completely on top of it. We'd done a load of testing and, and expected to be right up the front. This one's been a little bit last minute getting it all finished we're not quite where we wanted to be when we came testing so I'm the guinea pig in a way because I have the first qualifying session tomorrow we've got a different speck of diff in there different rear springs on there so dad's kind of said yeah it should be fine well I'll tell you after the first couple of laps and <laughs> thing is look, he but he's making excuses already I mean this is like <laughs> this is do you, do you not know what professional racing drivers are like <laughs> yes you know? I do yes, <laughs> yeah I'm about I've got a what, 40 minutes to make all of mine? <laughs> um, d Andy, I mean, obviously, you know, t t talking about Matt and Gordon there, um, you're competing against them weekend in, weekend out. Um, and is it quite, is it a totally different thing competing against them on uh, something like the Revival when there's kind of, there's obviously pressure, you want to win, but it's not your it's not your job. Yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, I think we're actually parked next to them in, in the shelter, so we're, we're in pretty close company with them. And and uh, at Touring Cars, you, you desperately want to beat them. And even here, you, you know, I, I obviously want to beat them, but it is, as Steve was saying, this is such a cool event. It's the, the best motorsport event I, I've ever competed in or been part of. And so, yes, we'll, you know, anyone who's a competitive guy or, or girl will, will want to do as well as they can and win. But that being said, there's there's so much more to this event than that, and and it's important to take it all in and enjoy it. Um, you just enjoy it a bit more if you win. So, uh, but I think it, it's it's real good fun racing against all these sort of guys. You know, you look down the entry list for our race. There's so many good people doing it. So it's it's a, you know it's 
it's it's a great experience to race against a lot of those people that you you know I've had respect for over a, uh, a long period. So to be on the grid with them, a really fun weekend um, with no pressure really compared to what we what we do as the day jobs, so to speak. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And Andrew, so many current BTCC drivers at what is a fairly critical point in the championship year, isn't it? Is it? I mean, you you guys have got to take care, haven't you? Yeah, but we want to win. As I said. <laughs> so um, it's it's actually a really nice way to switch off from from the touring car season because it's quite a, a full-on part of the, the season. There's a lot of races in a, in a close period of, or short period of time. So to come here and switch off and and have some good fun driving lovely race cars in a lovely atmosphere, we're you know we're lucky to com be competing at such an event. So yes, we need to take care, but you know we. I competed in the St Mary's race last year and it was it was cracking racing. I had a, a great race with the Manuel Piro and an Alpha and it was just just enough room we gave each other. That was it, but it, it wasn't too much room, it was just enough and, and racing someone of that class and having that respect both ways was something that I really enjoyed and, and was a special race. Steve, um, we're, we're also doing um, one of our podcasts with Tom Christensen here at Goodwood. In fact, I think it's going to be the next one after after this. Um, and he was talking about you, and that's the great one of the great things about being here, isn't it? You bump into all sorts of people that you've raced against or raced with. It's it's almost like a huge history book. Um, looking back on all those years, is it? Do you still get the same kick out of it? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, <coughs> you know. I don't think we would do it if we weren't getting the kick out of it. Um, I, I was motivated and quite excited to be driving down here. Um, it's uh, even, you know, wherever we finish, as Andrew said, we all want to win. But it's, you know, providing I'm not driving around at the back of the grid being lapped, I'll be quite happy um, that, that we're here. So I think... But the point you just made, there's lots of people I haven't seen for years and years and years, and then they turn up at this event, and uh, you, you catch up with old friends and colleagues that you haven't seen for a long time. So, no, it's a, it's a great event. I mean, I, I don't just think it's, it's a good event, it's a great event. Um, Steve, you, you t obviously had your neck operation, how many years ago now was it? To... I... I Damaged it in 2001, and I had it fixed in 2013. Yeah, um, and the first was the first car that you got back in after that operation, a Ford GT40, here yeah. at Goodwood. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> there was yeah. a, it was a, a good choice, I think. It was nice <laughs> just to ease you back in. To nice and gently. Yeah, <laughs> nice and gently. Well, a friend so talk us through how, how that came about. Well, a, a friend of mine owns the car, and he'd been saying for the last, he, he you know, whilst the car was being built, he kept saying, well, you're going to drive it with me. And I said, I can't, you know, I've got a neck. No, 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 well, you'll be all right. You'll, you'll, you'll drive it. You, and he wouldn't give up. Um, and it just so happened that the my actually neck deteriorated and I went back to see the surgeon um, and said, look, I'm losing all the feeling in my arm everything, what's going on? And he sort of did a load more scans. He said, well, now you need surgery. 10, 10, 11, 12 years before, he wouldn't operate. He said it was too dangerous. And then he said, okay, now you need surgery. So they fixed it. And after three months, I kept going back every month. And after three months, he said, no, fine. It's absolutely perfect. So I said, can I drive a race car? He said, yeah. I said, well, how strong is it? He says, it's, it's now stronger than it was when you were 21. So, so hence the GT40. Andrew, uh, 
the thing about I mean the mo modern touring cars it's, it's quite high tech actually like 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 all motor racing is these days it's very sophisticated you know there's like tenths thousandths of a second between you and all the other top guys here it, it's in a very different environment and but but you know it's a quick track it's a very quick track there's not a lot of runoff tell us tell us a bit about the lap the lap here yeah, it's, as you say, there's not a huge amount of runoff here, so um, it certainly gets your attention. And, and no matter what car you're in around here, you still feel like you're pressing on. Mm. Certainly down to, to No Name and St Mary's, I drove in 2012 a little Morris Minor here. And it wasn't the quickest thing in a straight line, but with the amount of runoff and stuff down there, you still feel like you, yeah. you've got a fair amount of speed on. So I really think you have to show the circuit a huge amount of respect, um, but it's very challenging to drive. It's, you know, it's just classic old school it hasn't been chopped and changed due to health and safety and stuff which is fantastic because as, as drivers that's what i'm sure you know 90 percent of us want is 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 that thrill that sense of speed and, and goodwood really gives you that so um and then you mix in that with, with some close racing with some other great drivers and it's it's a great spectacle to be a part of but also for the huge crowds this event gets to to what if i wasn't competing i'd come and watch this event 100 percent just to watch some classic racing do you, um have you ever wondered what, what it'd be like with the British touring car around here? Do you think that'd be right, something I've you actually, guys would be up for? I've actually <laughs> driven. I've actually driven um, <laughs> Rob's shaking his head furiously. I've driven the my the Honda Civic I was driving last year around here. Um, we did a, a ride event and, and did it here, and we did. I did one run in the dry, and it felt very quick. Um, and then it rained, and it probably felt even quicker because <laughs> this place puddles quite a lot when it rains. And um, it was to the point I was like, look. I was thinking that's too wet but when you've got a queue of guests waiting for their rides you can't really say no I'm going to put my feet up and have a cup of tea till it's dried out a bit so I, I kept going out and um, yeah I, I was pleased when I got to the end of that day all in one piece because as I say it puddles up quite a lot around here so I didn't know you'd done that yeah wow. no it was um Say it actually did feel pretty quick around here. I must admit. So, so you're not always totally in control when you're giving passenger rides. I'm just thinking back to lots of passenger rides I've had and always felt totally safe with professional racing drivers. <laughs> yeah, you just make it look like you're meant to do it, <laughs> and then come back and go, "Wow, that was close." <laughs> the, the problem with um, passenger rides that you start off all comfortable and safe, and by the end of the day, you're getting so bored and fed up that you, you actually pick the speed up to keep yourself motivated and uh, on it if that makes sense <laughs> so you want to be at the beginning of the day not at the <laughs> end of the day <laughs> tell me tell me steve um we, i mean we could spend an hour talking about your career just itself um and when you come to an event like this you know you're quite a big name on the grid i mean i know you're retired okay but everyone's very aware of what you do do, do people kind of hustle you a bit because they're thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's super, we'll get him? No, I don't, not at all at an no? event like this. I mean, it, actually, if you look at the grid, every single person on the grid is a name and has got a huge sure, and fantastic sure. history. Um, it's, it's, you know, there are other events that you'll turn up to do and, you know, obviously if someone will be desperate to past me or be in front of you well you know if they're that desperate they, they can have it you know there you go, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but here it was uh, it's not like that uh, okay. i don't think that's th there's a problem with that at all
What what do you find um, the public ask most about your career? Because you did, you know, you did so many, so many. There are so many different parts to it. Um, is there a sort of a particular area that you get asked about the most? Is it the it's super probably just one or? race meeting, isn't there? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the it goes back to '92 with the John Glennon incident at Silverstone in the BTC. Um, and it, my career is a bit odd because I spent a long time out of the country um, by choice not uh, because I didn't I couldn't drive in BTC but I just enjoyed you know 10 years of my career was club racing before I turned professional and when you've driven to every circuit and driven every circuit in England and then you get a chance to you know drive yeah. it other places around the world it was much it was an easy choice so uh, they basically most of the British fans remember me in BTC and the, obviously the race that comes to to the top is the um, John Clennon incident um, where John lost his call. <laughs> yes it was completely his fault wasn't it I gather. <laughs> As I could see it yes. I thought, I th <laughs> no I thought so I just wanted to make sure that yeah. Stay um, out of this Andrew just stay out <laughs> of it. When you, I see you, you got pulled up in front of the uh, in front of the stewards a while after but you're, you obviously went in there and you both agreed to say it was a racing incident and it, it was an all went it, yeah i mean after the accident john was very upset obviously he had you know he had a championship on it i wasn't there to spoil his championship i was not there under orders from bmw to do anything to him i was there to help tim harvey win the championship but not at the expense of pushing someone off so that was never the plan um, but obviously John didn't think that at the time but as the, the tribunal they wanted to make um, an example out of one of us and the tribunal was six months later and the night before the tribunal the phone rang and I was just about to eat and it was this Scottish guy on the end of the phone which I guess was John and he said look he said I, I've been told they want to get one of us and he says they're after you more than me but if they can't get me they, if they can't get you they're going to get me so he said I think we better have a chat so we we actually had a chat before the tribunal and just went in and said it you know we pointed no blame at each other and it, once you don't can't point the blame at anybody um, it was just put down as a racing accident, a very, very annoying to the <coughs> RAC and certain other people around the championship in who were all at the background pulling strings with knives and everything else mm. for John and I. It, it must be but a bit frustrating for you, Steve, that so many people want to know about that, that one incident, if you bear in mind that you're a factory driver for so very, very long. Well, plenty you know, of other things to talk about. Th there is, but the problem is, it made front page of motoring news and order sport. It um, it was there was no Formula One on. There was no World Champion Rally on. So it was the only event on that weekend, and it made huge press. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and everybody still wants to talk. About it. I mean, we did an interview two years ago here, Tim Harvey, John, and I. Um, for it went out on TV and. Mm. You know, it was, a, it was a funny interview. It was. <laughs> Andrew, let's bring things up to date for a minute. Because I was, having looked at the, um, the first bits of the television programme that you're doing for ITV4, it occurred to me, I mean, you've, you've started a business, a historic motorsport business, you and your dad. What, what, why, why not with modern cars, bearing in mind your, your you know, position in, in touring cars? Um, 
because we've done modern cars for you know, 25 years and, and the time was right at the end of last year to sell the, the touring car team um, and we're, we're really into our old cars you know it is it was something dad was doing more really on the side of the touring cars for the last couple of years um, and we built our lovely little A40 and that got yeah. a bit of interest and, and there was there was some business there to be done so it's it's more because we've got passion for old cars you know we, we, we like building race cars we like historic cars so it, it, it made sense really we don't want to grow it too much we don't want it to get like the touring cars did which was very big and, and very full on every day yeah, of the yeah, week yeah. Um, we employ two people full time I'm, I'm there a few days a week um, dad's there the whole time and it, it's it, it's just nice to to build and prepare some lovely cars um, and it and it's it's quite good business wise as well so it's something we we really enjoy it's it's very young really it's it's only in its first proper year of doing that um, we've done um, two Cortinas we're doing some Capris and, and so it's, it's and we've got I've got a little um, 1965 Mini Cooper that I will restore over the winter for a little Sunday car for myself so uh, I'm trying to push that in front of the, some of the customer cars but it's not really happening at the minute tell me um, I mean I'm always interested in when a historic car ceases to be a genuine historic car and becomes a kind of 1965 stroke 2015 racing car um, the regulations are quite tight aren't they but you know let's face it these cars are going a lot quicker now than they than they were when Jimmy Clark for example drove them yeah the, as you say the, the regulations are very tight in in most areas um, but the the kind of expertise and the the resources that everyone's got in motorsport the this sort of time it enables you to do a bit more suspension wise a bit more engine wise because you've got um you know better machines to to machine different sure. components and stuff so obviously you're keeping it with all in the regs it's just you've got a little bit you know as you say we're going quicker now than they would have been in the day and that's just because everything's um improved over the years and you know there's certain things on the cars that we've learned from touring cars that we then bring to that because the same principles within most sorts of motorsport will, will apply whether it's a historic car or a modern car have you steve have you been doing things to the cortina that he'd be interested in hearing about right now this afternoon do i don't think, think so i'm more interested in what he's been doing to his cortina i don't think he wants i i mean i'd love to tell him how to go two seconds a lap slower <laughs> i've got all that information up my sleeve but at the moment uh, their car is a bit quicker than ours quite a bit quicker so yeah i'll share anything he wants but he's got to give back <laughs> i can see why you were a champion um, listen, uh, but t t tell us all a bit about what, what we're really talking about here. So, so you know, we get hold of an old Lotus Cortina. Yours came from South Africa, didn't yes. it? Yeah. Do you know where yours came from? I think it's an American. Ours is a left-hand drive car. It's, I think it came from Holland or somewhere okay. like that. Okay. So I mean, you know, I'm old enough, to, obviously, to remember when they first came out brand new. And a friend of mine had one, and it, it did 55 miles an hour in first gear. The, the very early ones. I remember him telling me that the day after he got it. So, so but when, when, what are we talking about doing to these cars? I mean, take us through, both of you, the kind of process from this rusty wreck turning up. Well, my, we didn't start with a, a, a shell and build it up. Ours was uh, a racing car, um, which had FIA papers. Uh, the owner had run it with John Young in a few Masters events and the car was reasonably successful 
um, and then he asked me if I would drive it here um, and I, ag I agreed to on the condition that he sort of put his hand in the pocket and if I said the engine was no good he'd put another engine in and you know any anything that I wanted to do with dampers, suspension etc um, we did and that's basically for the last um, I would say six months we've probably been out six probably six times with it we actually got it wrong and we needed two tests to get it back where we'd gone wrong if that makes sense we did make it slower than it was um, so th th there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of enjoyment in building them and making them go quicker and I think earlier you said well what is it why are they going quicker now than they were you know back in their era 40 50 years ago and, and it's it's also materials apart from the machinings and the machining it's the, the materials today that you can use in the engine and even dampers of today the dampers are a damp side better than that you're meant to be running oil dampers not gas but even the oil dampers are far more sophisticated today than they were 40 50 years ago when Alan Hyde talks to you in the pit lane at British Touring Cars and here he is again. I'm sure you. I'm sure you're delighted to see him. Oh, so um, happy when I heard yeah, that. I bet you are, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're, you guys. I'm there are at the good times as well as the bad. Sure, Rob. I'm sure. always there. But we know, we know actually that interviewing racing drivers in contemporary motor racing at a race meeting, when there's a lot of pressure, there's not much time. We're not going to get great, lots of lovely chit chat. We're not going to get. We're not always going to get the truth. Some, well, maybe with you we are, I don't know. Depends on the question. <laughs> right, okay, I've, uh, I, can, I can do some stinkers for you if you want. But here though, you've got the freedom to tell me what you've been doing to your Cortina. And it's okay in front of him because it's a bit late for him to do it. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> this is a really bad time to be doing this question, Rob, because when, when Steve just said we've engineered the car slower, Andrew had a knowing look in his eye because that was exactly what they did with his car between <laughs> <laughs> last weekend and the BTCC. He had a great car on Saturday and all of a sudden it wasn't exactly a good feeling. <laughs> it was exactly what you did, wasn't it? Do you want him to, shall I, do you want him to go? Shall I, I, shall yeah, I leave now? The, the proviso was we wouldn't mention anything about the last touring car race, so Alan's dismissed. <laughs> it was a win in the waiting, wasn't it? Goodness me, what a show. Uh, what are the key things? I mean, I mean, can we talk a little bit about the tyres? Because I'm, I'm guessing that tyres are also a big contribution to, to going a bit quicker than they would have gone in period. Yeah, the tyres, but they're still cross splice, so they're still very low grip tyres. So, you know, I know some people put all these modern dampers, as Steve said, you meant to have oil filled dampers. Um, I'm sure there's some people out there that have run gas ones. Yeah, they'll make it a bit better over the kerbs, but you're still limited in whatever car you're in you've still got four contact patches with the tyre. Yeah, yeah. So that's the most important thing is, that's, that's the first thing I learnt really, is read your tyres, look at your tyres, your, your tyre pressures, tyre temperatures. That'll well, tell let's you not get into tyre pressures. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I won't go too technical. <laughs> I'll confuse myself. Um, but you're still limited by that. So it's not like a modern GT car or a modern touring car where there's loads of grip. You've still got a very low grip tyre. So yes, the suspension's very poor and, and I'm not saying it's not but you're still limited by it. That's why they're so good to watch and so good to drive because the tyre's such low grip. It's drifting all over the place. Um, so you're, you're limited by that, but you know if they put these cars on, on more modern tyres, a radial tyre that didn't drift anywhere near as much, 
they'd one be nowhere near as good fun to watch and they'd be nowhere near as good fun to drive so um but it's you, you know we, we all want to go quicker with the cars we, we all want to be competitive so we've done as, as much testing as we can we've done a couple of days here um just trying to improve the setup trying to improve the damping and stuff like that but it's it's all within the homologation so you, there's only so much you can really yeah. do um for driver preference and and, and, and different circuits are you going to answer my question Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> what are the what are the spe what, what what are the special things that Team Jordan has been doing to this Cortina? There's genuinely Steve could come and have a look around the car. There's genuinely nothing that that special. It's all off the shelf stuff that we've brought from from you know the, the dampers are Coney. They're just standard Cortina damper race Cortina dampers that we've brought from them. There's no trick bits yet. If it was the A40, there'd be a lot of trick bits on it, so I'd be saying Steve couldn't come and look around that. <laughs> so this time next year, that offer won't apply. Um, but we're not, as I say, the, we're quite... The Cortina is very new, so we haven't got where we really want with with getting lots of little secrets and lots of little secret tweaks here and there. Um, we're not at that stage with this, so it is all pretty much off-the-shelf stuff that we've just tried to make the best we can with. And that's the truth. That's not a question. That's not an answer I'm lying on. Accepted. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Obviously, you're driving a, a, a great variety of cars. Uh, the Lotus Cortina that you've got this weekend, hugely different to the MG that you're driving in the BTCC. Um, but you came into touring car racing in, a, in an unusual route. It wasn't the usual route for a young man. It was a, a rallycross background, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a very different route. It wasn't the, the normal kind of karting route that a lot of people took. It was it was rally, rally cross. And I went, actually went into that because I wanted initially to go to go rallying. Uh, and then I experienced the door-to-door -door racing and, and loved that and, and kind of got the, the, the racing bug. Um, but that's why I, I love driving these sort of historic cars as well because they move around so much and and coming from rallycross i love driving anything you can drive out of shape yeah, and yeah. and a modern touring car you can't really do that because it's slow so that sounds a bit boring but you know it, it's it's far m more fun to to drift a car around and throw it around sideways than it is to drive it neat and tidy so. and of course it's, uh, the, both of you i mean it's also so much more fun for us the fans the spectators you know i mean it's much more fun to watch dare i say this then sorry mr gal but you know it is more fun to watch the modern touring cars i think anyway <coughs> i think that's the that to us as well as andrew just said that you know they are old cars they have all, obviously all they're not mot failures they're all up to screw together nicely but um you know you you're getting the maximum out of an old car with a lot of very good drivers in and they are if i wasn't racing here i would want to be watching the race with yeah. all these drivers some of them I know very well and some of them I just know their their past and their credentials yeah. we've got um, not surprisingly we've got a lot of questions from our motorsport magazine readers and and listeners um, we'll start with you Steve and uh, we, um, we've got a this question comes from somebody you know called Marino Franchitti <laughs> <laughs> you ready for this <laughs> Okay. So glad this is on video. Yeah, <laughs> he he wants you to tell us, please, the Spa Twenty Four extra passenger story, please. Uh, okay. Is um, that a yes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell the story. So, nineteen eighty six Spa Twenty Four Hours driving for Ford in a factory Eggenberger car. It wasn't the Cosworth. It was the the horrible 
Mirko, I think it was called, before we got the Cosworth. And uh, the the race was on, the, I don't know what, I, it was daylight, I do know that. Came into the pits, did a pit stop, the other driver got out, I, I got into the car. And uh, as we set off down the, or as I set off, it was we, but as I set off down the pit lane, I suddenly got a tap on my shoulder and there was a mechanic who got in to change the drink bottle and we had drink bottles and cool suits and uh, I, luckily I hadn't got, you know, I was only a couple of pits down the hill in those days but I got by about three, three pits and suddenly there was a tap on my shoulder and I had to stop and he opened the door and got out and I continued so it only lost us about five seconds I think so, huh. so that's the story, yeah that's one well, good story, isn't well, it? When they when it comes off the jacks and they say go, you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marino Franchitti, for uh, reminding us of that one. I Terrific. didn't know I told Marino that one. <laughs> Obviously, I had. You need to be careful what you tell these Franchitti's. Um, that Dario's been out in your car. He's had Dario Franchitti's been helping him develop his car. So that's the one secret tweak I didn't tell you about, you see. <laughs> We've had Dario helping us. <laughs> you can rely on me to get the secrets out. I hope he gave you some tips on his NASCAR setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it only goes through left hand corners. Still, hey, never mind. Um, okay, uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew. A question from Nick Bradley um, Which series outside the UK would you like to race in? Um, touring car wise, probably the Australian V8s. Yeah. I think I think they're that's a fantastic championship. Um, it's very big out there. But I've, I've actually driven one of the cars, and they're a real, real handful. Yeah. Um, and and not many European drivers have gone over there and shown hugely well because they're so different to drive than anything we've got here. And and actually, when I went out there, the the thing that surprised me is you know over here and and in Europe, any single seater driver wants to get to Formula One. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, most of the single-seater drivers out in Australia want to get to Australian V8s. So the chance of, of making the break and, and going over there to try and make a go of that is very slim because you've got all these quick Australian young drivers yeah. that are actually, everything they're doing is just to try and get to Australian V8s. Mm. Um, other than that, probably World Rallycross. I've done a couple of events um, over the last couple of years in, in World Rallycross and and as Alan said earlier, that's where I started. So to see that get world championship status, get IMG behind it as a promoter, that sport's really, really growing. And, and that's that's nice to see because that was the first sport I was involved in yeah. in, in motorsports. So that's always got, uh, you know, I've always got a soft spot for, for Rallycross. So, yeah, prob if I had to pick one, it, it'd be World Rallycross. Um, Steve, um, this one comes to you from Paul Fernley, and I'm guessing it's the Paul Fernley who writes for Motorsport Magazine. Good writer is Paul. Um, and he wants to know... How impressed were you by Nigel Mansell's performance in that 1993 Toka shootout? Which which one? The one that Tiffany Dale helped him into the bridge, or the one later? He did uh, a, he did a few races. The, the yes, he did. The he had the astonishing run through the field in the wet, didn't he? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, he, yes, I was impressed because I, he didn't impress me up until then with his other sort of couple of one-off drives. He looked as though he was struggling, certainly uh, in the one where <coughs> he had the accident. But that last one, one he did, did it look very, very good. He, and he, he sort of suddenly, everything seemed to click with him and he mm. was able to yeah, come from middle of the field up and, and I think he did win the race, didn't I, he? It, it, I, 
No, he did Second? not. I think he ended up yeah. fifth. Did John win it? I think John won it. John who? John, <laughs> John who? Good point. Um, <clears throat> I've recently re rediscovered the video of that, and I was watching it just just very recently. That was that was an astonishing race for him, yeah. actually. Okay, um, Andrew, we were talking then, obviously, about the sort of super touring year and everything like that. I mean, that was that when you first became aware of the touring cars? Was it a bit later than that? Because you, I mean, obviously, you're, you're very no, young. No, it, it was super touring era was was the first sort of that I really got into it. Um, and you know, just looking back at those cars now, that was a fantastic era for the sport. But they were proper bits of kit. Um, the budgets back then, I think, were a bit more than they they are now. But actually, at Rockingham, there was a support race for for the Super Touring cars, um, and they just sound proper. You know, they sound to me like a touring car should. Um, but I actually drove one of the Nescafe um, Renault Lagunas in a, in a bit of a track test at Alton Park, and they're they're impressive things to drive. And um, in a way, it would have been nice to race in that era, just because it, it, you know, it looks so full on. Lots of manufacturers involved. You know, pretty much the whole grid was top line drivers. So um, yeah, it's it's a good part of the sport to look back on. Um, obviously, it's changed a lot now. Um, but yeah, the, the Super Touring era was was really cool. Steve, do you do you look at the British Touring Car Championship now and and think you know what I wouldn't mind to go in that or you know when you experienced such a great era. I mean, it's, it's a great era at the moment, I, was, I, I think, because it's so competitive. But I, I'm probably going to be very controversial now, but I I don't like these sort of regulations, and I, I don't understand reverse grids, and I don't understand pulling the grid out of a... You know, if you're fastest and you're on pole, you should start from pole position. Um, or, and why you would reverse a grid, I don't get it. I know it's for the fans, and I know it's for good TV but if you're a racing driver and you get the car right and you put all the effort you should be able to start on pole position. I think what the cars that Andrew drives are very difficult cars to drive. They're very heavy, they're underpowered and undertired. Um, I think that you need to be very talented to drive them and to be able to win but I don't think they're nice to drive. I think they're probably quite horrible. What, what, would, what would you do with the touring car regs? Would you would you give them more power and? It needs, yeah, I mean, it's also if a car if it's a heavy car, it has a heavy accident. If it's a light car, has a light accident. Um, so also to race people, if it's a light nimble car, you can actually do a lot more racing. Um, the car's more manoeuvrable than a big heavy car that once it's taken its line and something starts happening in front of you, you just you join in. You know, you can't miss it. You you join in. So I would I would give them more. It's all about cost. I'm, I'm not I'm not stupid enough to think that someone's written the regulations because they think they're smarter than the next person. It it's about the cost of what it used to cost back in the BTC 90s. It got out of control, um, and it was costing millions and millions of pounds. And there was every manufacturer in there trying to win. To what we've got now is affordable. It's still expensive. But it's more affordable for these guys than it, you know, the 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 bubble burst back in the 90s. It simply burst. Um, there's a question from Stuart Coggan for you, Andrew, and he, he's actually it's on this subject because he's saying, do you feel that touring cars is heading back to full manufacturer back teams like in the 90s? And it, and if so, is this the right way for it to go? Um, no, I don't think it is heading back to how it was back then. As, as Steve said, you had pretty much every manufacturer. Um, there was trying to 
compete to win in that. I don't think it'll probably ever get back to that, um, which in a way is probably quite a good thing because then the costs will stay relatively affordable. And as it is at the minute, as an independent, you can still go and win and you can win the championship as we did in 2013 as a privateer. If it became dominated by works teams, it would it would scare off a lot of the independent teams, which I yeah, think it's important it's to have. A shame, Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, no, I don't think it is. I think if a couple more got involved, I think that would be good for the championship. And also with the regs, with the car regs, how they are, yeah, everyone wants a bigger budget because you can do more testing. But it's not as though you're completely redesigning a car every year because the regs are fixed. You know, it's underneath every car, it's the same suspension. Yes, you've got different things you can change and different things you can do with dampers, etc. But it's not as though a manufacturer is going to come in and go, right, I'm going to completely design a touring car from scratch. That isn't how you can do it um, these days. So I think if, if, if you had, you know, three or four manufacturers in, I think that would be perfect because I still think with how the rules are for the cars that an independent team can compete against them. Steve, just b- briefly, can we can we come back to um, Paul Fernley's question about Mansell? Because I think a, lo- a lot of people feel that if, if you're a quick racing driver in any other kind of category, you could jump into a what we used to call a saloon car and be quick. But that isn't actually the case, is it? I mean, as you pointed out, that Mansell took time to get it right. Um, it, it, is, it is a particular kind of driving, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think touring cars are very, very difficult to drive. Um, may, or maybe quite simple up to a, a, a time that, on yeah. a stopwatch and then the last couple of seconds it's a, it's a, it's a technique yeah. um, which a lot of very good skillful drivers of single seaters just will never get just can't get it I, I've got colleagues that you know every time they got into a touring car they were just embarrassingly slow I won't mention any names and you've got other colleagues that you know they'd won Formula 2 you know done Formula 1 and everything but they just didn't get it in the touring car so there is a technique there's a discipline that makes them work um, it's possibly um, not very easy. I, I think Nigel thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was, and I think he, he sort of kept coming back. It wasn't all in the same season. I think he, there was a couple of seasons that yeah, he did a yeah. few races, and I, I think it annoyed him that he couldn't get the hang of it, and he actually came back to prove to everybody that he did get a hang of it. Um, what? Sorry, Rob. Um, what is what is that that final two seconds when I mean, you said there's a knack to it is, is it something you can put into words or is it something that you, no, you I, kind I of you, you develop put it in it's it's um it, it, the cars work in a very small or you and the car as a driver with a stopwatch they work in a small envelope especially a super touring and you can overdrive it you can underdrive it um you've got to know you've got to drive it with grip and you've got to know all the tricks and I can't explain to you what the tricks are no more than probably a NASCAR driver could explain to me how to go quick on a a banking where you're wide open all the way around with with traffic but there is a technique Um, I was always classified as a touring car driver and even got tarred with like you could you know well you can't drive anything else um, so, it, you, you know, it can work for you, it can work against you. Luckily, at the end of my career, I got to prove some critics wrong and got into sports cars and Le Mans cars and proved that I, I could drive them. 
Um, and actually, they were easy to drive than a flipping touring car because they were a proper racing car that did it went where you wanted it to go. It, you know, it stopped, it pointed. A touring car at the end of the day is not a racing car. It's normally a you know a road car that's been modified for a racetrack. Right. Well, first of all, don't worry, everybody. Andrew Jordan is coming back. He's just had to nip out for a moment, but he is coming back. In case you're wondering where Andrew Jordan is, um, Steve, there's a, there's a question here, um, which uh, c comes from Nick G. I don't know who Nick G is, but anyway, Nick, thanks for the question. He he wants to ask you about you and JJ at Mercedes. Um, swap it when they swapped Bernd Schneider from car to car to beat you to the GT title. Um, well, <coughs> we were in the McLaren and Schneider was in the yeah. Mercedes. Um, it, it was a little bit frustrating, um, but we were in with a shout right up until the last race, really. Um, but they did. Schneider just stood in the pits, and I think most of the time they were running two Mercedes, and yeah. sometimes they were even running three. So he stood there and got into whichever was the best car placed for the last stint. Um, which, if if you're a manufacturer and you you want to win it, that's that's in the regs. There's nothing to stop you doing that. We we didn't do that, um, and I could, you know, I have two two sides to it you know we thought we could both win the championship both of us Snitzer weren't prepared to do it um, the other two drivers in the other car was it was Peter Cox and Revalia with the McLaren mm. they didn't like our setup JJ and my setup and couldn't actually and didn't want to drive our car so if we'd gone that route there would have been a lot of compromises yeah. and then who would they have picked would they have picked JJ to stand at the back, or Revalia, or Soper, <coughs> or Cox? So it was frustrating. Right for the very last race at Laguna Seca, we did. We were then in trouble, and uh, it was going against us. So we did actually stand back, both JJ and I, and we 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 picked a car, yeah. and we said, you know, we'll 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 watch and see what happens. Yeah. And, but if we swapped, we, we parted in, in the other words. We didn't share the same car. Yeah. So not one of us stood there and picked the best car. Yeah, but yeah. We both picked another car. And Revalia, first time in his life, spun off and put it in the sand. And I've never seen Roberto ever make a mistake like mm -hmm. that. And the other car failed. So JJ and I didn't finish that race yeah. and they won the championship. Frustrating, but... You know, I've got I've got loads of championships like that where I finished second. So <laughs> it's a good question though, because it because it it was an interesting thing. I mean, from an outsider, it was an interesting thing for Mercedes to do to have a sort of, you know, the top driver just dancing from car. Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome back, Andrew. Um, uh, final question for you from um, our listeners and readers, and. Um, this one's from Chris Phillips, and it's a simple one, really. He just wonders, you know, where where do you would you where do you see your career going in the future? And and he asks, you know, w will Red Bull see you're wearing the hat? Will Red Bull help you get there? Um, it's a tough one. I, I often get asked that. Um, and and touring cars is great. You know, BTCC is great for for. Me as a, a young driver, I've been in it quite a few years, yeah. but I'm I'm still only I'm old. I'm 26, yeah. um, and it, it's good for driver profile. It's good for sponsors. Yeah. So it's a tough one because you can make a living at it, um, 
and and so, but having I, I won the touring car championship when I was twenty four, which is obviously pretty young. So yeah. it, it's 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 a tough question to kind of actually answer. Um, touring car wise, I think the BCCC is is where I'd I'd stay because of the reasons I've said. It's yeah. very good sponsors. It's very good for for a driver profile in the UK. At some point. <laughs> I will probably do World Rallycross. I, I'd like to. I'm saying probably like I'd get a drive like that. I, I, I'd like to do World Rallycross at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, from the, the very first time I, I kind of wanted to be, a, you know, I wanted to make racing cars my, my job. You have to go where there's a drive. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm not the sort of person that goes, right, that's it. I'm only going there. Or I'm not going to go and drive that. Mm. I, I will drive absolutely anything. Um, and and if that's you know if there was a deal that came up in a few years and it was right you need to go and move to wherever and and, and drive that car and and that's how you you'll earn your wages then I'd go and do it I'm I'm not you know I'm not sure. too set in my ways that I'd only do that or that sure. you know I'm I'm very open to ideas I love driving cars and if you can make a living from driving race cars you, you you're very lucky and, you are. and I'd go and do that so. Um, I haven't really answered the question, but that that's kind it's of okay, my... okay, I'm, I'm cool with He's that. good that's at this, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's very good at this. But, like, you know, it's... I, I love driving cars. I, I love driving ev everything, or well, everything or anything. So, um, you know, realistically, British Touring Cars or World Rallycross are, are, okay. are my two options, or my, my two preferred routes. Uh, uh, sorry about all the noise, everybody, but obviously there are aeroplanes flying around, Spitfires, Hurricanes, Mustangs. They're building the driver's club next door to us, in case you wonder what all the banging is. So it's all happening here. Revival at Goodwood starts tomorrow. Big race for you, Steve Soper. Coming up, big race. What are your tactics? <laughs> Taxi? Well, I want to get qualifying out of the way and see, see how close or how far off we are, really. It's, um, so there's no, there's no real tactics. It's, you know, get it off the line and see what happens uh, i don't think i wouldn't actually mind it if it was wet on sunday i don't think it's going to be i we spent a day here testing in the wet and i think we we possibly achieved something that maybe the others haven't so Look, steve's I'm playing it down he's going to go and put it on pole now isn't he <laughs> yeah he's I, playing wish. It down like I wish i <laughs> wish so uh yeah. well by the by the time it, by the time you're listening to this motorsport magazine podcast everybody of course uh, we will have had the goodwood revival and we'll all know the result um, tactics, Andrew Jordan. Come on now. What's Team Jordan? He it, Soper says Soper says he could do with a sprinkle of rain. How about you, lot? I think if it rains a lot, the minis will be will be the the car to be in. Um, so my tactics are drive it as quick as I can, and hopefully that will be somewhere at the front and 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 have some fun and some good hard racing. And w Alan, Alan, where where's he going next for his? Touring, his next touring card. He's going to Silverstone in uh, yeah two weeks two time. Weeks, yep. So um, he's he's got a weekend off next weekend. Have you got a weekend off next weekend? No, or? I'm um, working. I'm doing commentary for World Rallycross. So, so you do that as well, don't do you? Yeah. So not a weekend off. No. Well, it's sort of a weekend off. And, and then yeah, and then Silverstone the week after that, and then two weeks after that. Yeah, and then I do have a weekend off. And then you have got a yeah. weekend. Sorry, off. are you saying that Alan's job is your weekend off? <laughs> well, that's oh. an interesting thought. <laughs> Slightly confusing there, there thought. Go, as well. <laughs> Very good. Cheers, 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 Ed. And, th and then it's the finale at Brands. But you made the point earlier, Andrew. The the second half of the season, it's all bunched up together. It gets all a bit, all a bit frantic, doesn't it's, it? It's quite full on. Um, 
and it, it's it is a busy part of the year and at the kind of the more tense time of the season it really ramps up and the last few weekends race weekends have kind of been a weekend on weekend off which is is a busy um busy time for the team and it didn't really help the team's cash flow much but no, no, no. Um, but it, it's it's good to kind of really you know I, I don't like it when there's huge huge breaks between races it's nice to have a weekend off now and then obviously but you know we want to be racing we want to be out there as much as possible so it's nice when you can get into a bit of a rhythm with, with quick fire weekends there's one point that we haven't touched on because we're talking about andrew and i driving in this race but actually you know it's two races added together mm. and the overall winner yeah and Obviously, Andrew's driving with his dad, and who I can accept is still younger than me, but the gentleman driver, yes. despite he did BTC. Not a bad but gentleman driver to not have, a Steve, bad yeah. gentleman driver. I'm driving with John Young, who's a very able, qualified driver. But, uh, but who is the gentleman driver, as in a magazine, out of Matt Neal and Shedden? That's now a there's, very there's interesting a, question. There's a, you know, the rules have slightly been <laughs> bent all of a sudden. Not that I'm a bad loser or anything, you know. And I, or you that you have a, yeah, a fine eye but, for, for detail. Know, if you're looking at Andrew and Mike should be very, you know, good pairing, very, very capable dr drivers and deserve to win. You know, then the rest of the drivers are gentleman drivers in those cars. They haven't got the classification of Matt Neal. You know, Matt's a very good friend of mine, don't get me wrong. But, um, but I think Matt should be up. starting <laughs> the race and he should yeah. have a gentleman in for the second race. Yeah. Leave that them, lightweight shed and out of the car. <laughs> between them, they've got four touring car titles between them, haven't they? <laughs> you make a really it? fair point. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I can't wait for the qualifying. <laughs> it's <laughs> getting pretty tense here already <laughs> and it's Thursday good. afternoon. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, both of you, for spending you. so much Thank time you. with us. When I know you just want to get back to that car, give it that little extra something. And don't forget, everybody, that um, the uh, on ITV4 in a couple of weeks' time, uh, there will be uh, the programme, uh, I think it's on at 9 o'clock on ITV4 in a couple of weeks' time, uh, which will feature uh, Andrew uh, uh, Jordan with his Lotus Cortina in the Team Jordan workshops, which I must say are very impressive. Uh, and Dario Franchitti will be there. He's presenting that programme, so that'll be worth seeing. But Steve Soper, Andrew Jordan, thank you very much. And thank you, Alan. Thank, thank, you. Your, thank, uh, thank you. For your touring car expertise. Help me out on a couple of occasions. <laughs> thank you, Ed, for organising it all. Brilliant. And, uh, of course, we'll see you next time. And, and our next podcast is with Tom Christensen, um, who needs no introduction from me. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.